It was quite interesting for me because in the early weeks, I found communicating with anyone really difficult. Uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm sure you and I have had this conversation before, but when I stopped drinking, I didn't really have any support or connection. I now realize that's not, not ideal. <laughs> I, I did it all wrong. I mean, in some ways I'm glad because it helped me to see how hard it is so I can now help more people. I believe, really believe that. But at the time, what actually happened was I only had one person that I told. I didn't tell anyone else. I felt such shame, which is, which I now know is a thing. A lot of people feel like that. Such shame when I was having to be vulnerable and open. I had to feel all the feels. You know, I had to couldn't 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 just numb out this awful feeling. Had to feel it all, and it was so difficult and so painful that I did not want to. I felt way too fragile to tell anybody. So I didn't tell anybody. Hello there, my name is Lee Davey and welcome to the 1000 Day Sober Podcast. I am not an alcoholic, I refuse to be anonymous, I am alcohol free as fuck and I spend every waking moment of my life trying to live a self-led life and helping other people do the same like right now. Today my guest is going to be Janie Lee Grace but before I get on to that fantabulous, beautiful, feminine specimen, um, just a little bit about myself and what's going on in the world. Uh, my girls are back home, so uh, three weeks of being alone in my own kingdom has come to an end as my daughter Zia and my wife Liza are back home. What did I learn from that? Three things. Number one, if you are in a family dynamic and you have kids especially, but even if you just if you don't have kids, but if you have kids especially, it may be unusual for you to have time away from your significant other and your children, right? It may be unusual. I know my paradigm of the world when it comes to relationships is unusual. Your paradigm might be different. But if your paradigm is the same as mine, it's a little bit odd to just leave your wife and your kid or leave your husband and your kids uh, to go away on your own for a significant period of time. Do it. Three weeks away from my little babies allowed me to really reset, recenter my autonomic nervous system. I felt so much calmer, so much peaceful. Um, it was a beautiful way uh, to just take care of myself. So number one, be alone. Find some time on your own because it can reset your nervous system. Number two, you find when your significant other and your children are away, you get to spend time with people you love that you don't normally spend a lot of time with. So for me, I actually spend the vast amount of my time with my wife and my daughter because they live in the same house as me. That means I don't spend as much time with my son who doesn't live with me. When my girls were not here, I spent a lot more time with my son. So there's a real benefit there, right? And number three, I had me, 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 me time. Loved every single moment of it. But they're back now. I love them. I started to get a little sad, a little lonely towards the end. And now they're home. Jet lag is a bitch. We're up all night very testing on that newly reset nervous system of mine, but I'm doing my best to keep above the line, right? So they're back now. We're going to be in the UK until October when I am flying out to Latvia. Got to do a bit of work in Latvia and I'm going from Latvia to Monte Carlo, okay? So if you want to do any coaching with yours truly, there is a little window between now and October 15. Email me at strivemethod.gmail.com, okay? Right. For those of you who don't know, on the Strive front, we do a lot of wonderful work with our community, helping people to become alcohol-free as fuck. But we also have a community just for men. It's called Strive for Men. And we really just focus on helping men to live more consciously, helping men to live a self-led life, right? And to grow awareness of what that even means and to develop the tools and the techniques to really show up and... Um, just improve all areas of their life to be more conscious and more grounded, okay? And this week, I just wanted to welcome Andreas uh, from Colombia, Kogan for Canada, and Ethan from the UK who have joined that group. So if you're a man out there and you want to live more consciously and you want to do the work, maybe you're in a relationship and it's not really going well, maybe you're not the greatest parent in the world, maybe you're not the best friend, maybe you're blocking yourself off the world, you're feeling anxiety, you're feeling depression, maybe you've got some addiction issues, just reach out to me at thestridemethod at gmail.com and grab yourself a free month in the community so you can experience what it's like before you put your hand in your pocket, okay? Strive for men, reach out to me. 
Right, on to our guest, Jamie, Janie, not Jamie, Janie Lee Grace. And she's a multiple guest because she's an amazing human being. So Janie Lee Grace is an Amazon number one best-selling author, speaker, and was the co-presenter on UK's biggest radio show, BBC Radio 2, Steve Wright in the Afternoon, for 24 years. Formerly, she was a backing singer with Wham!, Kim Wilde and Boy George, and she had her own number eight charted in the UK as Cola Boy with Seven Ways to Love. Remember that one? I do. Janie has written five books on holistic living, including the number one Amazon bestseller, Imperfectly Natural Woman. And her latest book is Happy, Healthy, Sober, Ditch the Booze and Take Control of Your Life, which encourages everyone to look again at their relationship with alcohol. After ditching the booze, Janie launched a podcast, Alcohol Free Life, and I've been a guest on that podcast, where she focuses on sober self-care. She's also done a TEDx talk called Sobriety Rocks, and you can find the link to that in the show notes, okay? She now runs the Sober Club, which is a platform offering a non-judgmental community for people who are committed to sobriety and want to upscale their life without the booze and focus on health and well-being. So if you don't really jive with the Strive community ethos or you don't really like this kind of guy, uh, then reach out to Janie Lee uh, Grace and join the Sober Club, okay? Uh, Janie is passionate about encouraging people to ditch their chemicals, focus on great nutrition, self-care, and fighting their purpose as she found for herself that quitting the booze was the missing link in the holistic living picture she also offers coaching and is trained in eft matrix re-imprinting and nrp if you want to find out more about jenny lee grace just google her you'll find her everywhere i mean come on she was a backing singer for wham for christ's sake or you can go to www.thesoberclub.com she is married unfortunately so she's off the market she has four kids and she lives in hertfordshire but she longs to be by the sea and today we talk about trust so without further ado, I'll leave you in the capable hands of the amazing, the incredible Janie Lee Grace. You know, I was just saying, my false tooth's falling out. Oh, bless you. Don't talk to me about dental issues. <laughs> oh, oh, man. I sneezed the other day and I just caught it. I, I, <laughs> I could have killed somebody with my, with my false tooth. That would have been a bit of a pain, wouldn't it? <laughs> it's really interesting, though, with false teeth because I... I, there was a time where if I would have had a hole in my, because this is in the top of my tooth, right? If I would have had a hole there back in the day, this is when I was drinking, um, I, I would not have left the house without having my tooth in there, right? It would have been like, like I cannot, people cannot see I've got a hole in my tooth because it means something about me. Um, and these days I'm older and I don't drink and I'm more conscious and uh, I'm more secure. I really don't want to wear it. I, I don't mm. care. It doesn't bother yeah. me to have a hole in my tooth. And then I have to wear it for things like being in front of camera when I'm working at Triton and, and things like that because, hey, you can't be in front of camera. <laughs> you want to scare the horses. <laughs> it's, so, it's so interesting, right? Yeah. Mm. So we were going to talk about trust today. Yeah, sounds good. I'm going to start off with a, a quote uh, from Stephen Covey. He says, trust is the glue of life. It's the most essential ingredient in effective communication. It's a foundational principle that holds all relationships together. What does trust mean to you? Well, how would you define trust? Because we all define it very differently, I guess. Mm, I think um, I think that's a really interesting one that can change, sort of change over time. And, and also, I think it de depends which type of trust you're looking at. So, if you're talking about trust in yourself, that's a really big one. Mm. Um, particularly linked to sobriety, <laughs> yeah. um, because I think it really can take quite a long time to actually find that trust in yourself, because it can often be all caught up with um, who you really are, with your authenticity, you know, with your forgiveness of yourself, you know, so, so trusting yourself, it can be really tough. If it's trust in someone, you know, you're in a close relationship with, um, I mean, I think it's the most important thing. I don't think there's anything more important than that in a in a in a close relationship. If you don't feel you can trust someone, there isn't anything left, really, for me. And and in terms of you know trust in other people connected to your sobriety, that's another really important one because I think you have to have trust in the process, and you have to have trust in others who've walked the path, you know, so that you can 
trust <laughs> that, um, that they've got your back, you know, and that they're going to be able to hold you accountable. So I don't know if that answered the questions, but it's a few thoughts <laughs> to oh, kick us off. It did. I mean, I have another five follow-up questions. So there's three things I heard there. It was like one, trusting yourself, two, trusting other people, and three, trust as it pertains to the context of um, sobriety, yeah, or call, yeah. whatever you want to call it. Um, I guess the question I want to ask you, your opinion, do you, do you feel like you can trust other people if you cannot trust yourself? Like, is trusting yourself the first protocol? Yeah, I think it really is. Isn't it? I think, um, I think you become, I think you learn that. I don't know if I would have said that years ago, but now looking back, I realize that I was probably untrusting of others and quite defensive and uh, didn't want to share too much of myself because I didn't trust them. But really, a lot of that was due to the fact that I didn't trust myself either. How could I? <laughs> you know, I wasn't fully authentic. Um, so because of that, uh, yeah, I think it, that, that makes you set up a little bit of a wall with others as well. If you're not trustworthy, why would you expect them to be? You know, hmm. that that's a really good point there. You said about um, you're not being authentic. So, you know, let's just touch upon that a little bit, I guess, for I don't know about you, but for me, for the vast majority of my life, I would say the first 35 years, even probably even because like 35 was when I stopped drinking. But, I, but mm. I've since learned that 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 whilst that was an incredibly important moment in my life, it wasn't the be all and end all like uh, so in terms of like being unconscious i would say first 35 years i'm like level one in the game of life of consciousness right mm -hmm. and then i stopped drinking i got to level two but i'm still nowhere near level three four five six seven eight right but for me it's kind of like hang on what's my train of thought let me get my train of thought back janie <laughs> i lost it i lost it authenticity that was it so when i stopped drinking I became aware that I was inauthentic and then I thought I was authentic because of that awareness. But then as I continued on in my life, I realized that there was a lot of trauma, a lot of inner child, a lot of socialization. So, and a decade later, even though I'm not drinking, I'm still not as authentic as I would like to be. Right. So let's talk about that a little bit. And you maybe share your stories of how being inauthentic and alcohol and trust, <laughs> trusting yourself. How does that all, how did all that kind of like land for you in your life? Yeah. Well, I mean, I think, I think for me, you know, one of the, one of the very obvious ways that I realized I wasn't being authentic was that, uh, you know, I, I made a whole career out of, um, uh, you know, caring about and promoting natural living, holistic living, you know, I'm, I'm super, super passionate about, uh, you know, eating organic food and not putting chemicals on your skin and cleaning your house without chemicals. And, you know, I would, you know, I've joked about it a lot. I was way ahead of my time. I was talking about coconut oil and kale before they got their own publicists. You know, I was, um, I was ahead of the game really. So I was doing all of that and I genuinely believed all of that. And I wrote five books on it and I had a really successful website, but there was this one piece that I hadn't noticed, you know, or if I had, I was stepping around it, you know, this massive elephant in the room that was alcohol. And, and somehow I, you know, I don't know where, but the cognitive dissonance you know, allowed me to believe, well, that's a, that piece is okay. So you spend your life talking about toxicity and, you know, <laughs> all the rest of it, not to mention spirituality as well. You know, that's the other piece of it. So, you know, that, that was so massive for me when I had to start, recognizing this is really weird you know when i was get when I, once i started getting the 3 a.m wake-ups you know the little voice telling me this is this is not okay this is does not fit with who you say you are this is not you know having the odd treat as you might write about this isn't a treat you know, just sort of you know it's a tuesday it's 3 a.m and you've you've you, you've had a bottle of wine again what are you doing it's not okay. It's not who you are saying you are. <laughs> so there was that piece, very strong. And then there was also this sort of spirituality piece where, you know, for years I was, uh, you know, as a Hay House author, I was interviewing all these incredible spiritual gurus. I was giving talks. I was doing all kinds of stuff around spirituality, around meditation, around self-love, self-esteem. But... <laughs> 
none of it applied to me. Because <laughs> if I sat down to, you know, attempt to meditate, I mean, it was all about funny, you know, laugh, just laughable. It was, it was like, oh, I might sit still for one minute and then a little voice would, would begin the, I suppose, lack of authenticity piece. Oh, well, do, do you really want to be in silence and actually get to know something about yourself? I don't think so, sweetheart. Go put the washing on. And that would be the end of it, you know. So, um, but of course, I didn't know, realize any of that at the time. It's only since I've stopped drinking, I'm able to realize I'm not, I don't equate the word authentic with being perfect. I'm not saying I'm there or I'm, you know, reached any um, incredible levels of, um, you know, enlightenment or anything, but at least I'm who I say I am. At least I, I, I am open to listening to the next things I have to do. I'm not stepping around the elephant in the room anymore. That's the big one. Mm. Oh, thanks for sharing that. Um, I'd just like to go, go back to the beginning of that, really, you know, this, this voice, this 3 a.m. Yeah, voice. Yeah. Uh, is, is, that, is that the time in our lives where your intuition or your inner wisdom or what I like to call self is actually trying to communicate to you, but you've locked it in a coffin and your mm. ego has been running the show for donkey's years, really doesn't want self to speak, but all of a sudden, for some reason, something's happened in your life. Maybe you read a book, you listen to a podcast like this, or you've had a conversation with somebody who's a little bit more enlightened than you. And mm. and, and, and it allows self to punch a hole in that coffin and you hear this little voice. And is that what it's about? Like at the beginning, is this, we, we're trusting self, we're trusting that this new voice, mm. is, 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 is it a fact that we like, trying to convince ego to let us talk and communicate to this more powerful part of us. Is that, what, is that what's happening, do you think? I think it is. And I think even before that, I think I now realize that actually all of us have that innate wis- wisdom and our body knows, you know, it's that lovely book title, you know, the body knows, keeps the score or the, you know, whatever the it is. Yeah. And, and, you know, I, I now, I'm, I'm now um, trained in family constellations and I co-host workshops. And it's so incredibly fascinating when you stand in the energy field, you know, we can't explain it. It's very, very difficult to explain, but you stand in the energy field and you're, you're asked as a, if you're a representative in constellations to get out of your head, you know, just, just let go of your thoughts. This is not you bringing your thoughts and opinions and experiences. You have to, as much as you possibly can, let go of that and just stand in the energy where you're representing the energy of someone or something else. And it's absolutely incredible how it works until you've experienced it. It is impossible to describe. I tried, but I did an article for Spirit and Destiny magazine once and it came back about 28 times from the editor with red pen. What do you mean? Or what do you mean? Anyway, it got published in the end. I just said, listen, either publish it or don't publish it, but you're going to have to put, there's an element of in inverted commas magic, um, albeit scientifically backed up. But anyways, the point I'm making is it's a good example of, of recognizing that our body knows our body, our innate wisdom, we know when we stand in the energy, when we listen, our body knows. And I, I think all of us have that capacity to listen to our body, right? It's just that we don't want to. A lot of the times we don't want to. You've heard of people, you know, on a very flippant level, you know, their body is telling them, okay, you need to, you need to look at something. You know, you, you know I mean, tiny little symptoms, like you really need to get this checked out. Okay. And I'm just going to keep, I mean, people who have burnout, there's a great example. You know, you'll be getting, you'll be starting to get the headaches. You'll be starting to get the exhaustion. You'll be starting to feel like, you know, nothing's worth it. You'll be, you, you, you know, you, you just won't have the energy to do things you used to be able to do. Your appetite changes or whatever it might be. And the little voice will be saying, you need a break or, you know, actually you've taken on too much or maybe you need to stop people pleasing. Maybe you need a day for yourself. A little voice will be saying those things, but we push it away because we think we're super important and, you know, indispensable or whatever. And then you crash and burn because your body's giving you tons and tons and tons of warnings. Just you didn't listen, you know, and I think that, ha- I think that happens for all of us. And with the drinking, absolutely, there, there comes a time when the voice starts. I mean, in my case, I didn't listen to the goddamn thing for years. And I mean, years, I mean, I would say at least 10 years. I mean, mm. during that time I had the odd, the, the odd stint of not drinking, 
pregnancies and um, and and the odd, the odd stint where I realised, oh, I feel better when I'm not drinking. But I didn't really address any of it till I did. <laughs> yeah. I, what what comes up for me is um, a link between learning, a link between raising self awareness of the body and trust. Mm. I'm going to give you an example that happened to me last night, right? So yesterday I had some spag ball left over that I'd made. No spaghetti, just a mincemeat and stuff. And I roasted some cauliflower with it. And then I'm, I'm here on my own. Girls are in L.A. And all of a sudden I'm farting like a trooper, right? I go out of bed, I'm farting like a trooper. I wonder when we're going to get to the fart conversation. I, I know, I didn't like, it didn't take long. Did I, I'm farting like a trooper. My stomach is extended, <laughs> it's bloated. Okay, so in that moment, my body is saying, Lee, um, don't eat cauliflower. Hmm. Now, how many times has my body told me not to eat cauliflower, Right. It's only now that I'm, even now, with all the work that I've done, that I'm turning brief awarenesses of what my body's telling me into yeah. almost like a way of being that, oh, hang on a minute. Because, like, I'm 48. I've been eating cauliflower all of my life. Like, it's been telling me all the different ways it needs to, that it's not really something that I should be putting in my body. But you really have to get to a point where you you're aware of that because mm. you cannot you can't fix anything that you're not aware of so but that's a fantastic example isn't it because yeah. with, with, with with alcohol all of us have a shed load of alcohol feel like absolute shit and do the same thing the next night yeah yeah well okay, I can't, <laughs> what's that about i cannot think you know like for example when when during the pandemic we're doing everything we can in our power to not get COVID, right? We, we really are like, like really don't want to catch this thing. And, 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 and I'm just talking about my own personal situation before everybody writes in and, and, and castrates me. I never thought I was going to die when I, uh, if I would catch COVID. I know that millions of people did, but I, I just was not concerned about it myself. I, I trusted my wisdom. I was healthy and I was like, I'm not going to die. I'm going to catch this thing and I'll beat it, right? But I didn't want to catch it because I didn't want to feel like that. But for 35, well, not 30, 20 years of my life, I would gladly have paid for that and worse. Like, and it wouldn't have been an issue. Like, the hangovers that I used to have were worse than any illness I've ever had. I've never had an illness that has been worse than my hangover. None. No, absolutely. And I paid for that. And I knew it was going to happen. Yeah. I know it's incredible. I know it's literally incredible. We even spend time planning, you know, oh, well, I'll take that. I'll make sure I take that day off then so that I can recover from that. Honestly, it's scary, isn't it? It, it, well, it, it is scary. I mean, let's shift into vulnerability. I don't have a quote here. I'm like the quote master today. I've got two <laughs> quotes here on vulnerability. One is by a guy called Bob Van Urek. Do you know who that is? Bob Van Urek? No. Trust is built when someone is vulnerable and not taken advantage of. And Brenny Brown says, similarly, trust is a product of vulnerability that grows over time and requires work, attention, and full engagement. Trust isn't a grand gesture. It's a growing marble collection. I know if you remember, she said in one of her books that every time she practiced vulnerability, or she told her kids, every time you practice vulnerability, put a marble in in the jar Mm. and you'll Mm. see the marbles grow. Um, I guess on vulnerability, uh, let's talk about alcohol. So we we kind of intellectually and intuitively will know that this thing is like destroying us to a certain degree. I do believe there's a death effect there that's brought by societal conditioning, which doesn't allow you to activate the cognitive, the dissonance and the drums, right? Um, but there's also an aspect of this, this of vulnerability, right? So let's talk about for, for a moment, the sober curious, the people who, who are not really impacted by the death effect, they have realized that it's a bit of a problem. They dip into the sober club or they dip into strive or they may do a dry January, but they're not able to go the whole hog, right? They're not able mm-hmm. to answer or even face the forever question. And there's a vulnerability piece in that, isn't there? Because your whole identity is is um, based on being a drinker. Uh, yeah, exactly. So talk about that a little bit and share your your wisdom on vulnerability, mm. trust, 
um, and really breaking the back of of yeah, just just being out there and being practicing vulnerability of not being a drinker. Yeah, I do think it's a a really big thing that I don't know if people talk about it enough. Really, this whole idea of needing to sort of step into that new identity, and it really is a whole new identity, and it doesn't happen instantly. And you you certainly do feel vulnerable when you first stop drinking. There's no doubt about it. I think that, um, and largely it's because, you know, you can't put that mask on anymore. You're not the same person. You're not exactly the same person. You don't know how other people are going to react to you. You don't know how you're going to react. So you do feel really very vulnerable. And it and, and it's, it, it's, a, it's a rotten time. We can't deny it. It's, it's not the best, is it, those early weeks? Uh, I mean, there are lots of measures and lots of um, ways you can, um, improve it and feel supported. But it is just a really tricky time to have to go through. So well worth going through. But I think if you know that it's not all going to be rainbows and bunnies within the first week, that really helps you. So you accept, okay, so this weird feeling of not knowing who the hell I even am, it's normal. It's okay. <laughs> it's normal. Just, you know, you will get through it. Um, but yeah, you do feel vulnerable. You really do. Because when you don't know quite who you are, it's really awkward when you're with others. Very awkward. Uh, th- this is why I make a big deal, you know, with my people I work with, my clients. I kind of, I, I tell them to do masses of preparation, really genuinely prep it all. I mean, number one, don't go if you don't feel comfortable, because where's the rule that says you have to go out? You don't, you know, do what, whatever it takes. But if you are going out, do your prep, really properly do your prep. Give people a heads up that you're not drinking. You can lie if you want. Doesn't matter. Who cares? Give, you know, give them a heads up. Decide exactly what you are going to be drinking. There's no discussions about that when you get there. You know, uh, exactly. And then literally plan how you're going to change the subject. So the second somebody else steams in with, oh, don't be so boring. You know what you're talking about. You said you're not drinking. Don't be stupid. Here's your glass of wine like you always have. What the hell is this about anyway? Just literally have your sentence ready. I'd love that sparkling water. Thank you. I never asked you about your holiday anyway. You know, literally change the subject. It's nobody else's goddamn business. And you, actually, the reality is you usually do find that if you don't make a big deal of it, actually other people tend not to. Certainly after their second drink, they don't care. By then they won't remember. But trusting yourself in that in, in that instance, when you are feeling vulnerable, you do have to do a little bit of faking it till you make it, faking it till you create it. You do. It's a little bit of acting work in the beginning. I what came up for me when you were saying that then it was um, uh, almost like the metaphor of a bridge. So we don't know who we are. We we started to play around with not drinking, which. If, if in a way removes some of the fog, right? So, mm. so now you've got even more clarity. And for a lot of people, that's for me, for example, that is illuminating. It's exciting, um, but it's also terrifying and uh, scary um, and anxiety ridden and overwhelming, right? And at the same time, this is happening. Life isn't stopping. Yeah, your wife or your husband still wants you to go to this party that you've gone you've got a vacation to Greece just around the corner you know all kinds of stuff is going on and you're like oh my god what you're talking about there is a bridge it's almost like um the risk assessment <laughs> you know mm, like yeah. I used to work on the railway you need you need a risk assessment to get a ladder to get a box off the top of a cupboard <laughs> yeah. so, so it's like doing this operational risk assessment of like okay I'm going to go the I'm going to go to this event on Saturday. I'm going to be really hyper prepared for it. And what you're doing is it's like it's a bridge to your true self, which allows you to experiment while you're on the bridge. Oh, actually, this ain't as bad as I think it's going to be. So if if you gauge and measure out at one out of 10, how terrible this experience is going to be, and you measure it at 10 out of 10, but you go with your plan, yeah. like that bridge allows you to be like, well, actually, that was only a six out of 10. Or the part of it, which was a 10 out of 10, was actually this conversation I had with this one person where they started belittling me. And then you can look at that or ask for help with your peer group or whatever. And they'd be like, okay, well, we need to, we need to put a boundary up there. Have you ever done that before? Exactly. But but it, it, it just allows you to take that Geiger counter down from 10 a little bit lower which gives you more trust, more hope, more confidence. And then you can go in there again and you keep doing it until eventually you're down to like a one 
Does that speak yeah. to you? De- def- definitely. I mean, the first few times, you know, it's the first, isn't it, when, you're, when you stop mm. drinking. It's the first, the first time you go out for lunch with your friends, the first time you go to the pub, the first party, the first wedding, the first holiday. So all of those firsts. Um, and once you've done them once, they definitely get easier. There's no, there's no two ways about that. They really do. They get easier. You know how, you start to know how to be after a while. And, you know, it takes a different amount of time for everyone. But over time, that vulnerability starts to lessen and you start to, you start to become aware. I mean, I, I, I think I've kind of summed it up over the years. I, I've thought of it as feeling more centered. You know, you definitely, most people definitely start to get a sense of happiness. Happiness is a really odd word, isn't it? It means different things to different people. But I think to feel centered is, well, for me, it was incredible. I certainly never used to feel centered. I was always chaotic, always. I was always, you know, grumpy or anxious or stressed or drunk or, you know, tired, exhausted or shouting or, you know. When you've, when you've got that ability to just be calm and centered and be open and honest, that's, that's completely different. And you can start to recognize, okay, well, maybe everything still isn't perfect, but I feel as though perhaps I might have the resilience to deal with whatever it is. And from that place comes that kind of confidence to deal in social situations or whatever it might, might be. But when you're on week one or two, it's, you know, it's tough. Hi Strivers, a quick pause from our regular programming for a golden ticket you won't want to pass up. So October's looming and you know what that means, Sober October. So if you've been wrestling with a booze or just want to give sobriety a test drive, then I've got a deal for you. I am throwing the doors of the Strive community wide open and guess what? It's free until November the 1st. Yeah, you heard me right. Free, nada, zip, zilch. So what's cooking in the Strife pot? Well, first off, you get to hang with a kick-ass community of people just like you. And secondly, I will personally be leading weekly Zoom group coaching sessions that you won't want to miss. Lastly, you get your hands on our game-changing Strive method. Feeling intrigued? Want in? Or shoot me an email at method at gmail.com and we'll hook you up. Remember, you've got until November 1st to snag this sweet deal and trust me, you'll thank yourself later. While you're thinking on that, let's get back to the action. Thank you for listening. What I'm, what I'm hearing there is um, attachment style. So when you say centered, what comes up for me is, oh, genuinely is learning how to be more secure. So she's less anxious or avoidant or well, yeah. I can't remember what the third, disorganized. Mm. So the less you drink, the more you go to trust that innate self, the more secure mm-hmm. you are. And this is really interesting because we currently have a striver on holiday in Greece. So we're, we're reading her, her wins, her celebrations, her struggles on a daily basis on this two-week mm-hmm. vacation. It's quite, it's quite remarkable. And one post she wrote a couple of days ago was, she, so she'd been posting her wins. And one of the wins was, my husband is more relaxed um i've never noticed that before and i said to her yeah that's because you're over 200 days alcohol free as fuck now and in that time you've really worked hard at shifting from an avoidant attachment style to a secure attachment style and because you you're doing really well on that score he's shifted from his anxious attachment style into his secure attachment style and that cycle that they had of anxiety pushes you away into avoidant, which makes him more anxious, which pushes her further away. That stopped now because she stopped drinking and he's now feels her secure. She's secure. The energy is secure. So he can now feel more secure and she doesn't want to, doesn't need to move away from him. But again, it takes vulnerability to do that. It takes vulnerability to be the one. How many times have you heard it with your clients where you're, you're working on them and they're like, the problem isn't me. The problem is them. If only mm. they oh, absolutely. absolutely what they're yeah. doing, everything would yeah. be okay. But the vulnerability is, no, actually, to build trust here, you have to take 100% responsibility for the way you're responding in this relationship. Give up all hope that that person is ever going to change. Work on yourself. And that is the vulnerable piece, right? 
Totally. Yeah. I mean, uh, uh, that is a really big one, you know, with, um, with relationships, because um, when you, you know, if you have a partner who is not coming along with you on the journey, as it were, um, it's really tough, isn't it? Really, yeah. really tough. And, um, you know, as you say, you can only work on yourself. You literally can only work on yourself. There's, I know for a fact, if anyone had tried to shame me into stopping, it just would have made me drink more, quite mm. honestly. I did that um, until I was ready. <laughs> I, I did that to my first wife. Like I did you? Yeah, I, I was I mean, that was this that's a good example actually of not you stop drinking alcohol and if you're a certain personality type like mine, you start to feel superior. You start to feel like you know more than everybody. There's a smugness about it that there's a oh my god, I've seen the light. Why haven't you seen it? And that then allows you to apply pressure, unhealthy pressure on those that you love using really horrible, toxic um, maneuvers to try to get them to change, you know, and and ultimately that's what it comes down to is you're trying to change another human being. And if you, if anyone's ever tried to change you, (laughs) yeah, you you don't like it. (laughs) You know how terrible that is. Let's, let's talk a little bit about communication then, because I think you're right. One of the biggest reasons I see people turning to the bottle or returning to the bottle is just the inability to communicate either with themselves healthily. I mean, that has to come first, but they're not seeing that. They're actually, it's usually a wife or a husband, right? Like that's usually what's happening. It's like, I just cannot communicate with this human being. We just keep getting into conflict. I don't know what to do. I'm I'm giving up hope. Um, and alcohol is a big part of that. It's almost like they look at it and perceive it to be some security blanket, which is not. It's, it's just like you're putting gasoline on the fire. But how, how can communication and improving your com- communication and what communication styles uh, and, and maybe techniques have you used that can help people uh, in this trust conversation we're having? Mm. Well, I think, you know, it's um, it is about feeling being able to talk about how you feel isn't it you know this is the classic relationship expert kind of um, advice but it is true you can really only express how you feel rather than being judgmental uh, you know when you do that you know um, you keep on doing that you're driving me mad because you're doing that can you stop doing that actually all you can do really is um, speak your own truth. Um, and there's a kind of a power in that really. Um, it wasn't quite interesting for me because in the early weeks, I found communicating with anyone really difficult. Uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm sure you and I've had this conversation before, but when I stopped drinking, I didn't really have any support or connection. I now realize that's not, not ideal. <laughs> I, I did it all wrong. I mean, in some ways I'm glad because it helped me to see how hard it is. So I can now help more people. I believe, really believe that. But at the time, what actually happened was I only had one person that I told and tell anyone else. I felt such shame, which is, which I now know is a thing. A lot of people feel like that. Such shame when I was having to be vulnerable and open i had to feel all the feels you know i had to couldn't 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 just numb out this awful feeling had to feel it all and it was so difficult and so painful that i did not want to i felt way too fragile to tell anybody so i didn't tell anybody apart from one person (laughs) so that made it really awkward because i was not sharing what was going on i was i very vulnerable i was keeping everything to myself i didn't feel I could communicate this. I didn't think anyone would understand. I felt if I did, it would all, you know, I'd have to face it even more. I felt it might trip me up. It was, it was very difficult. It really was. But now one thing I do say to people I work with is absolutely share what you're going through. Absolutely tell someone you're doing this, but that does not have to be your family and friend and close friends. In fact, in many ways, it's better if it isn't. Tell people who've got your back. You know, tell someone who's been there, done it. 
get connected with people who've walked the same path so that you're, the person you're telling is going to be your cheerleader rather than your, you know, mom or partner or best friend who they might love you. They might be very supportive, but they don't know what this feels like. And the very first day you have a shit day, they'll, they'll just say, you know, oh, sweetheart, you've done great. You know, you just can just have one because you've done so well, you know, which is potentially going to send you straight back to day one, right? Yeah. Could I make a comment on that? Is that all right? Yeah, of course. So um, what I was uh, what I was thinking about then when you were talking about it is two, two things. One was um, you didn't trust yourself. No. And I, and, I, and I imagined that was like really super subconscious, unconscious. And then yeah. there's another part where you didn't trust the world, which was more conscious. So it's like you, you, you're aware that if I tell this person, that person, that person, there's going to be a response which is going to ignite my shame, which is already fueling. But then there's another unconscious piece, which is like, I don't trust myself enough. And so what I was thinking was, imagine back then, if we had um, just plucked in a, a therapy out of the sky, which uh, which works well for me, Internal Family Systems by Dr. Richard Schwartz. Mm. If we'd given you an IFS therapist back in the day and they had taught you to speak to yourself... So to identify the parts of your personality that feel shame. And then as you're walking down the street or when you're praying or you're meditating or you're just having some quiet moments in the house or maybe you're just beating yourself up in the house, is you start to talk to yourself and self-soothe yourself and to make yourself and your fears be very real, but to make them feel safe. If you, if you were to be able to do that inner work, then all of a sudden – those people out there that I'm worried about, I'm not worried about them anymore because I'm, I can handle it. Right. Like, so if anybody's listening, I think this is a really good example of the inner work and the outer work. It's like, mm. once we do the inner work, we don't care as much about what's going to come from the external world, but that doesn't mean we still don't need to work on our boundaries. We do, still don't need to work on our communication skills, but the core work of, trusting myself is done which makes dealing with the world outside so much easier right yeah i i, I absolutely agree I, I also think that some of this comes with um with time with just i, I think it's, it, it for me it really is that holistic picture you over time you start to feel a bit better physically usually you know you start to notice that you're eyes look a bit brighter and you know um you, you, no one can deny how incredible it is waking up waking up sober oh my god that never gets old does it never gets old that waking up oh my god i'm not i'm sober <laughs> like, well, yeah. what a thing what a thing right so those things start to kick in that kind of physical thing you start to feel a bit better and then you know you're able to yes as you say begin to potentially recognize that these are different parts of yourself. And over time, you are able to start to look at that holistic picture and realize, actually, this is, who, this, is who I, this is who I really am. This is the person I really am. I've never met anyone who preferred themselves drinking, have you? No. no. <laughs> I've never met anyone who goes, I really love that person. I've met, I've <laughs> I'd met like enough, to be that person. I've met enough people who defend uh, who, who defend who they are as a drinker and they project oh, yeah. they project into the future and create a monster out of who they will become yeah oh i'll be really drink. i've heard people say that yeah 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 i'll be so boring i'll be yeah. you know yeah absolutely i've heard that yeah and, and i think i think um we as a collective uh i mean i i call us alcohol free as fuck right like we as a collective afafers we we let ourselves down sometimes, you know, like I was listening to a podcast the other day and the, it was, a, I think it was Bloomberg or something. It was like UK news. And they were talking about how the UK pub industry is in severe decline, right? Like people are just not going to the boozer anymore. Um, and the woman who was like doing commentary on this, the host, she was sober and she was almost apologetic apologizing for her being and she kept using the word boring really like, wow yeah, yeah yeah like yeah you know like you may perceive me as boring or i'm boring but it wasn't it, it was it didn't come from a place of strength it came from a place of um weakness is a wrong word but it came up from a place of like there was a vulnerability there there was a 
there was a playing up to societal conditioning that oh yeah you know if we don't if we don't drink alcohol we're boring right mm-hmm. uh, so i did a little video on it like come on let's stop doing that right like we're not human beings are not boring you're like it's a no. complete opposite of that right exactly and don't fuel that though people no. i think that's, that, that that that's so interesting you say that because i think you know one one of the main things one of my absolute biggest passions is 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 trying to share a, a, what i want to do is raise more awareness of the fact that life is so much better without the booze yeah now there are loads of different facets to that you know it, it, but but often the only piece that comes out is um alcohol is bad you need to stop drinking that was the stage i was at you know i knew i needed to stop drinking but did i want to stop drinking of course not did yeah. i want a life without alcohol bloody hell no because nobody nobody ever told me how freaking fantastic life is without booze yeah so you know for me exact, exactly what you were just saying to me that woman whoever she is is still locked in that mentality that it, life is better with 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 alcohol which is absolute bs or, I, I remember or, or years or bu- ago or buying it or buying into there's a part of her that is still linked to the belief system yeah exactly so yeah. so literally not caught sight of of like so th- this is why i always say you know we 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 need both pieces don't we we need that logic piece we do need to know how bad alcohol is we need to know how bad it is for us we need to know how it, that it's toxic that it has zero benefits of any kind ever we need to know that we really need to know that. and i didn't you know by by the way i didn't really know that i kind of half believed the articles that said a red glass of red wine is good for the heart i mean absolute bs but i kind of believe that back mm. then so, so i do think we need the logic i do think we really need to know that but as important if not more important is this perception this motivational piece hold on a minute when i am free from that trap which was which had zero benefits when i'm free from that trap when i'm willing to actually feel the feels and and look to you know living my best life without it that's when the journey begins that's when it starts to feel exciting and i always remember funny enough um frank skinner coming in to uh, be interviewed and this was years and years ago so i mean he he things may have changed so don't quote me if you know if um if anyone knows him personally but he came in and did an interview with us and he just made i can't remember what the conversation a lot but it was along the lines of oh so and so going to go and um you know have a pint now or a glass of whatever and and it was a kind of a shaking of the head and like i can't i can't do that can't do that anymore yeah i can't i can't do that you know like that literally missing out uh he was on uh, the documentary that adrian charles did Oh, well don't get me started don't get me started I, I i i would love i would love a debate with adrian charles yeah. i really it, really would i mean for god's sake like oh how fantastic that i was on 100 units a week now i'm only on 33 and there's something to aim for guys mm. well skin skinner had a cameo on there where i mean again i'm paraphrasing because i haven't got it in front of me but it, it was it was basically he's a comedian and he was using comedy which sometimes can be a good tool to deflect from the truth and mm-hmm. you know like and it was very much based around yeah it's torturous to not drink alcohol yeah. and it, yeah and it it's it's this again it's this um it's this term it's this why well, call it the liquid lie this this social s- construct around alcoholism yeah. and the alcoholic and do you ever watch um happy valley no i haven't actually no is it good well, Oh my god, I I googled the other day like the top best TV shows to watch in 2023 or something and Happy Valley came up as number 1 and I'm oh, thinking wow. I'm thinking this cannot be true, right? Like a, a classic BBC documentary in Halifax cannot be globally the best. So I'm like I'll watch it and I'm absolutely hooked on it, right? Oh, really? Oh, I'll, have to, I'll have to check it. I, I hardly ever watch TV now. It's amazing. Um, but I, I'm going to okay, do interesting. I'm going to give you a little spoiler. So there was uh, there's a character in there, and there's a scene where someone who knows his character tells this little lad that she's alcoholic, 
And knowing storytelling as I do, I think to, my, I think to myself, oh, this is going to be used. Then right. later on in the episode, she drinks and somebody and uh, somebody who knows she shouldn't drink goes up to somebody who isn't aware of this and says she's alcoholic. And then the woman there is going, oh, my God, if I would have known that, I would never have given her an alcoholic drink. Right. And a lot most people watching that won't think nothing in in it. They think there's nothing in it at all. It's just good storytelling. I look at it mm. and I think to myself, the storyteller knows the liquid lie. The storyteller knows that the only way that this can be a problem is if we define this woman as an alcoholic exactly. and give her a label. Exactly. And because she wasn't the only one getting pissed. She was getting pissed with the other person who was with her saying, oh, I didn't know she had a problem. Now, all of a sudden, the other woman who's drunk, it's not a problem for her to be drunk. No, exactly. She's not alcoholic, so she's never going to want to go get help or investigate it, you know, so go, going off on a on a, on a tangent. Yeah. But, yeah, watch it. It's amazing, Sarah. I will. Brilliant. I will. I mean, but when you when you when you start watching, once you're sober and you you watch t- movies and TV, everything, you watch everything differently, don't you? you? When you see how bloody rife alcohol is across oh. everything, everything, and it's always, always, always portrayed like that. You know, always, always like that. You know, I, I remember years ago there was that archers episode wasn't there or that series where there was the the woman who was drinking in secret and there was this and the 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 vibe around the whole thing literally would have been millions of listeners millions and millions of listeners feeling empathy for that woman like oh you know and then the next thought would be well thank god i'm not that bad Uh, yeah (laughs) carry on drinking you know it's 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 just everything propagates this absolute bs that there's two types of drinkers only there are those at rock bottom who need rehab and we all feel bad for them because they're clinically dependent right probably a very tiny percentage by the way oh yeah and then there's everybody else and they're perfectly fine i mean every now and then they can't hold their beer so that's messy but they're 100 fine all good and the second you voice anything you know to a gp to a therapist to whoever the hell the question is, oh, well, uh, uh, so but you don't seem like you're at rock bottom. You, 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 you went to work, didn't you, today? Oh, yeah. Oh, all good then. Just have an alcohol-free day, yeah? Yeah. That, that, well, when, <laughs> I, when I first stopped drinking, it was, really, it was really difficult to get – I think, actually, when I first stopped drinking, I immediately wanted to help other people. And the only way that I knew to do that was to identify as alcoholic, which I did. Right. And then I well, – Well, that was, that was a lot of years ago, wasn't it? Oh, you've, like, you've been a lot of years, so so things have changed massively, haven't yeah. they, since you stopped? It didn't last long, though. So I, I, I identified as alcoholic, and then I had a massive backlash of everybody who knew me trying to tell me that I wasn't. And then it was only in, it was only as I progressed and developed my theory of this liquid lie that I was like, okay, I can see now actually that defining myself as alcoholic is really dangerous. Even in those yeah. early years, how I, I didn't observe it, but my friends were essentially trying to keep me drinking by wielding in front of me that I didn't have a problem because I wasn't an alcoholic, you know? Yeah. I think, but, but, but even throughout all of that, the basic premise then is that it's, it can only be normal if you drink, if you in inverted yeah. commas can't drink, yeah. Oh, that's a huge shame and a problem for you. And are you sure it's really so bad that you really can't? Because yeah. It, 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 that's the bit that gets me, that incenses me. That's the piece that has to change. You know, yeah. I've said a few times, you know, I, I remember very, very clearly one of the last occasions before I stopped that I went to a GP because I went to get a vitamin D test. And I remember feeling comfortable with the GP. She was nice and friendly. And then I just did one of those doorknob moments as you're going out the door and said, actually, you know, can I just ask about something else? Uh, you know, I, I am a, I'm a little bit worried about my drinking, actually. And I was kind of, she, anyone would be able to tell I was terrified to say it. So it was obviously something massive for me, you know. And she literally looked at me and said, well, you look fine. You know, how much are you drinking? And I lied, obviously. And she would have known I was lying, you know, and said, well, two, three drinks. I mean, you know, maybe sometimes four. 
you know and she just went oh you you know you seem absolutely fine you know have a just have you know have more water in between and you know have an alcohol free day that works great for me (laughs) kept me stuck for bloody years then I went to see a therapist and an energy healer you know, mm. thank you, um, who I'd been see- who I loved and I loved her work and she was a fantastic therapist. But for Christ's sake, she told me to switch to vodka. Mm. Yeah. She said, well, you know, it'd be so much easier if you switch to vodka. Oh, my God. W- w- why didn't either of them? They don't have to stop drinking. I'm not up for prohibition. They can do what the hell they want. They were obviously clearly both drinking themselves. But all they needed to do was say to me, oh, you know, you've, you've noticed that you, you, so you think you might feel better without it. Fantastic. Let me signpost you to a whole world where people are alcohol free as fuck. <laughs> there you go. There's the website. Try that. Cause I've heard, you know, that you can live in the most incredible life without booze. That's all they needed to say. Yeah. Right, rather especially, than keeping me stuck, especially in those areas, right? Like, what was I listening? I like listening to the All In podcast. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I, I like poker. I, I kind of like listening to their worldview, um, but and they're not they're not health advocates or wellness. They're like investors. They're like billionaires, right? Just talking about life and stuff. But they have this real hard on for like alcohol and they, they want to create a tequila business. And I was listening to the podcast the other day and they're like, the most important thing about the tequila that we're going to create is it's got to, is the taste. It's got to be smooth because I've tasted these, te- I've tasted some of these tequilas and, and the alcohol's bad. So, oh, there, there's good alcohol and there's bad, <laughs> there's good alcohol and there's bad alcohol, right? Like, a, what was the other podcast I was listening to that, that I found really bizarre was um, on Sam Harris' podcast the other day. There was a guy talking about how to live long, and Sam asked him um, his thoughts on alcohol. And this was really interesting. I'm trying to get the guy on my podcast because he, he was a guy who, who ended up in rehab because of his alcohol, stopped drinking, and now as a health and wellness, he's saying to people, well, you know, I have a rule. I only drink good alcohol. What? Like, what the fuck is good alcohol? There is no good alcohol. Oh, my so God. Whenever I hear someone say, given justifiable reasons why a certain type of alcohol is smoother or healthier or better than another one, Dave Asprey did this on his website as well, you know, like, it's like, here, here are the best versions you should drink instead of like, no, 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 no. Like Huberman said, didn't he, right? Like, no alcohol is good for you. None of it. Yeah. I, I, I don't know if you ever heard the podcast I did with Dr. Anya Topiwala. That was, mm. that was incredible because she, she was a, a study came out, I think it was about a year and a half ago, that, that was specifically around aging. And, the te- you know, we have like these markers called telomeres. Yeah. And the length of the telomeres in our body effectively um, will dictate how long we live effectively. Yeah. And they did a study. I forget where it was, Oxford or wherever, on alcohol and the length of these telomeres. And the study showed that alcohol, uh, I can't remember if it's shortened or lengthened, but anyway, it's not good, right? It's not good. So I I thought, you know, I've got nothing to lose. I'm going to try and get her on the podcast. Mm. So I I reached out and she said, yeah, I'll come out. So they they were promoting this, this study, this clinical study. So I was absolutely convinced that once I got her on the podcast, she would tell me the results of this study, but then she would do what they all do, yeah. which is then throw a caveat in like, well, it's not conclusive. We still do believe that in moderation, a little bit of red wine, good for all that absolute BS, right? She didn't at all. It oh. was incredible. She was so hard hitting. And we moved on to other studies that she's done. It was, it was such a powerful podcast. She mm. literally said, there is not any safe amount there is no benefits it is only toxic ever it's terrible for your for your uh, physical health it's terrible for aging it's terrible for your mental health she's a psych uh, psychotherapist i think a uh, psychologist mm-hmm. um one of them a psychiatrist thank you <laughs> um and it was so hard hitting it literally told it like it is thank god mm, i'll check that out what was her name again yeah. dr anya Topiwala. And yeah, well, it would be something like, why couldn't it just been Sam Harris? 
I will send you the. I'll send you the link. The it was, link, it yeah. was such a hard hitting podcast. It was. Link, I was I absolutely amazed. I was so, so. I said to her, "Oh my god, I'm incredulous." I'll, I'll <laughs> it was just great. It. Yeah, I'll include it in the show notes. I love it. I mean, what the thing that I, I get frustrated with um, these podcasts and and even Huberman's was a Huberman's was amazing. It's like one of the best I've heard, but mm. they still they still don't understand the psychological and the societal. They still don't understand the liquid lies, I, I'd say it. Mm, uh, and mm. I, I think a big part of the problem is you, re- you, really need to, you really need to have to experience it. You need to have to experience it and go through it and be like, holy fuck, right? Like, what was I watching the other day? You were going back to TV shows, Discovery of Witches, and um, it's a really great show. But I, I straight away from the first episode, I, I was like, wow, we're really glamorizing uh, red wine here. So I got my pad out and <laughs> started noting down all the instances of red wine. And it was just so obvious that, that there was placement. Like they got a sponsorship, yeah. They got a sponsorship and there was yeah. no brand name, but it was obvious because <laughs> there was no reason why the large quantity of alcohol should have been in these episodes because it wasn't even story related you get someone to come in a room they pour a glass of wine and they would put it down on the table and then and the camera would go to it and they would talk and then the scene would end and they'd be like what's going on and 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 the the link there of how powerful that is to a, a young 14 year old adolescent spotty uh, half Chinese kid who can't get the girl who who's poor who doesn't hasn't got the clobber. That, that's a massive, massive pull for him to do yeah. something to be recognised and loved by people, right? And yeah, alcohol totally. is right out there, right? You know, it's like. But anyway, 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 anyway. anyway off my soapbox. Yeah. What? Just uh, let's just end by tell us what you're up to. You 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 you're doing loads of wonderful stuff out there. I'm not paying paying attention to all of it, but whenever I see you pop up, it looks really cool. What are you doing? So yeah, I'm. Um, well, obviously, I do the podcast, Alcohol Free Life, um, as well as. Um, I run the sober club, of course. I do some coaching. Um, I'm also doing some training with uh, coaches, which I absolutely love um, because we look at the whole holistic picture. It really feels massively important to me to mm. to bring that in the whole nutritional piece, the whole mindset, the whole looking back at trauma. So yeah, so there's all of that, and then I um, host workshops and events and um, family constellations. Uh, every now and then I do that with a leading trauma expert. So that's really amazing, incredible work. Mm. Um, and, um, yeah, I'm, I, I love, I love interviewing people. I'm still doing a show on UK health radio and I am looking for another radio gig. So, you know, if you know of any, <laughs> <laughs> I'll be there. I don't Stop know. Any, I don't know if any radio gigs, but if we get any poker gigs, I'll give you. A chance. <laughs> yeah. Might struggle on that one. <laughs> I can only talk about what I'm passionate about, right? So, how can people get in touch? You? I'm easy to find on social media at genuinely grace or thesoberclub.com is where you find pretty much everything. Um, yeah, just feel free to drop me a message. I always think, you know, I, I sometimes say if somebody's just starting out, you know, you can just you can message me. I'm sure they can message you. I just think, like, tell somebody and then you've got somebody else going to hold that vision for you. You know, yeah. there's just another layer of accountability when you've told somebody. Because if somebody drops me a, a, a message on social media and says, okay, it's my day one, right, I'm going to do this, and I'll write back if I can, you know, and say, fantastic, brilliant, do it. Then when they get to day two and the voice in the head says, ah, oh, you know, just have one, there's just that extra layer of, oh, I go, I told Janie yesterday, I was, oh, maybe I won't, you know, just, it's just that having that extra layer. So I do think that communication piece is really important. Yeah, just to, expand, just to expand upon that. I mean, everybody listening to this, just think about what we've been talking about today. You know, I can tell you that we have strivers who listen to my podcast for four or five years before they found the vulnerability to reach out. Yeah. Um, and every single one of them has said they wish they did it four or five years earlier. So yeah. practice today. Just email me at the strive method at gmail.com. Send me an email to Janie or myself. I'll get it off to a finder on social media. Reach out to one of us and just say, hey, um, I have some questions about my alcohol use. Just just practice it today. You right now you yeah. might be thinking it's a 10 out of 10 on a Geiger scale. Like 
and you'll find when you reach out to us and we respond to you that it'll be it'll be like a one or a two you know yeah exactly and when you first stop as well i remember i had so many questions so many questions nothing every single thing that i felt i I remember thinking oh my god is that normal is Mm. it normal to feel that emotional is it normal to keep bursting into tears (laughs) is that normal you know i just needed to ask somebody who was i going to ask yeah you know Um, I'm the same as you. I did it alone as well. Yeah, crazy. Mm, crazy. And here we are. Keep yeah, on the journey, Lee. Don't go anywhere. I'm just going to press stop on this thing where I've a little chat. Okay. I hope you enjoyed that episode. Just a few thank yous. First of all, I want to thank uh, you guys and girls for listening to this podcast and being supporters of it. Many people stop drinking alcohol just by listening to this podcast. I got a lot of people reaching out to me, thanking me for that, right? So give this to somebody as a gift today or rate and review the podcast. If you can rate and review the podcast on your local podcast player and tell somebody about it, you could change somebody's life today, okay? So thank you for listening and thank you in advice in advance for that piece of service. Also want to thank our producer, Stan. Um, Stan is still currently in the Ukraine, fighting the war and producing our podcast while his family is somewhere else in the world right now, okay, apart from him. So everybody send out your prayers and your love. Stan, we love you. Thank you very much for everything you do here. For you out there, if you are starting to think about, contemplate, uh, reflect on your relationship with alcohol, you do not have to do this alone. Yes, you drink alone, but you don't have to stop alone, okay? And if alcohol is not your thing, but you are starting to feel that you actually are living a parts-led life. The ego is getting in the way too much. So you're not happy with the way life is going. Then reach out to us at thestrivemethod at gmail.com. Just say, Lee, and just tell me what is on your mind. And we'll start to have that conversation. Strive community is a beautiful place where you can start to feel seen, heard, and matter. It's where you can get community. And it's where you can start practicing what we call the eight C's of self, our core values, right? Of creativity, curiosity, uh, connection, compassion, courage. I can't remember the rest of them, but there's eight of them, right? And we have our quest structure. So we have assignments and they're really interesting, exciting. At the end of them, we say to you, come on, do this quest, right? Get involved in this challenge. Um, And Strivers are really finding it exciting and they're working their challenges in these areas that are going to increase the amount of time they spend in self-energy in a state of flow. And that is has amazing repercussions for the relationship you grow with yourself and for how you how you reach out to others in their life, like how you parent, how you um, are as a child to your not child, but a son or a daughter, how you are in your relationship with the person you share your bed with and how you behave with your employees, right? So reach out to me at strivemethod at gmail.com if you want to learn more. Okay, much love, everybody.